Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to My Team, My Voice with MTMV Sports. Yo, what's up? This is Prophet Josiah. Make sure you listen to my album, God Made Me Do It, on all streaming platforms. Right now, you are listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Out of this basement, wasted. Dreams so big, so vivid. I mean, I swear to y'all, I can taste it. Cake so good, but I don't know none of y'all out here that's gonna make it. So I go and get mine from the public, and they love it, but I'm chasing. Sugar free brand, man. A lot of people living that sweet life, they just faking. And ain't nothing more cold in my mind than me to being so real and authentic. And I'm riding around with my windows down, and got nothing to hide, it ain't tinted. And I ain't got a whole lot of time, so I guess it's all about how we spend it. Hey, how y'all doing? This is Rick Sincere with MTNV Sports, man. I am geeked to be joined um, by, man, y'all don't even know. It's Justin Sericek, man. Uh, Sericek, I'm so happy to to have him here. Look, editor-in-chief over at Rapzilla, right? I'm co-owner of H2O. So much stuff that you've been doing. You've been in this field of journalism for quite some time, and I'm just blessed to have you on the show. How you feeling today, man? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm happy to be here. I know we're going to talk about sports, which is something I never get to talk about, and I love sports. I see you're a Braves fan, of course, because you're in Atlanta, and I'm a Mets fan, so naturally we hate each other, but but we can get over that for this interview. I think, I think we, we can get over it. Yo, so look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm so much on this side of the wall as opposed to this side, so I'm so much more Saints than I am baseball, right? Okay. But, um, but so I don't hate you. <laughs> okay. Well, there's no reason for the Braves to ever hate the Mets because we can't beat the Braves. So, so it's more like it's more like the Mets dislike the Braves, and the Braves are like, "All right, little brother, annoying, you know, go away." <laughs> That's more so what it's like. Yo, I want to get into those Mets because um, if if people follow you at least on Facebook, right, they'll get a chance to see that from you. Like, they'll get a chance to like hear that, yeah. hear your frustration with with your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, y'all just recently made a move that you're. You were quite opinionated about getting rid of the GM. How do you feel about that move? Man, it, it's funny because they brought in uh, Bro- Brody Van Wagenen to be the GM, who was a player agent before, um, and actually Jacob DeGrom's agent. And what he did was he went and basically just brought in all his players that he was the agent for, and none of them worked. Every <laughs> single one of those moves was horrendous. Um, he has to be the worst GM I've ever experienced as a Mets fan. Uh, I know, I know, you know, now that the Mets have new owners, it was more so old ownership was also horrendous uh, and handcuffed a lot of what the GMs did. Mm. But Brody, man, let's just say he made 20 moves and maybe one of them were like, and they were catastrophically bad, all of them. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, he's out. They brought in Sandy Alderson, who we've had before, but is like an actual true professional. Mm. Um, and he didn't even come in as a GM. He came in as the president of operations. Um, and now the new owner who basically said, hey, I just bought the Mets because I want to make people happy. And I want to see them win. And the goal is a World Series in three to five years. And 
however much money I need to spend to bring in good players, I'll do it, which is something no one has ever said before. I don't even think the old owners <laughs> were Mets fans. Like, that's, that's what it felt like, the Will Ponds. So, like, do you guys even like this team? No, it's just our business thing. So, like, this guy is a diehard Mets fan. He brought in baseball people. And there's just an air of confidence um, that may soon make Mets fans as obnoxious as Yankee fans. So, um, <laughs> I dread that day. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if I want to see that. Yo, tell me, tell me, what do you think about um, what do you think so far in the offseason? Like, so far, if you have to kind of grade what's been done so far, it hasn't been much, but mm-hmm. if, based on what you've seen so far, how would you grade the moves? Um, so yeah, the Mets, the Mets haven't done much for the exception of re-sign Marcus Stroman, um, which he accepted a qualifying offer. Uh, we all thought he was going to say no, but after not pitching an entire season because of COVID, you would think he'd have something to prove rather than test the open market. And already this, this new, um, manager, Steve, I mean, um, owner, Steve Cohen has already um, had a, a certain effect because Marcus Stroman was like, hey, I watched a press conference, mm. super inspiring. I'm excited to play for you. Uh, even Trevor Bauer, who the Mets are, are going to be courting heavily, he won the Cy Young Award. He even made a whole video about how Steve Cohen uh, press conference was amazing. Um, Noah Syndergaard, who missed the whole uh, season because of Tommy John surgery, he tweeted out, Hey, Mr. Cohen, you know, my name is Noah Syndergaard. People know me as Thor, and I'd really <laughs> love to play for you. Um, so already having an owner that shows an air of confidence and actual caring has made the Mets look like a destination. Uh, they have a ton of money on the books. They gained even more money because Robinson Cano uh, tested positive for steroids for the second time or, or performance enhancers. No, I don't know a single person who is upset about Cano missing the entire season <laughs> because he's just at, at 38 years old. He's just a clog at second base. He's been hurt. Um, he was pretty good during the, the COVID shortened season. But with him getting uh, suspended, not only do the Mets get $20 million extra to, uh, to already like $140 million that they had to spend, but now three players have a position to play because Cano is gone is basically they were going to be cycling um, Dominic Smith, Jeff McNeil, and J.D. Davis between left field, second base, third base, D.H. With Cano gone, Jeff McNeil goes to second, J.D. Davis goes to third, Dom Smith goes to left. One person gave three people who deserve to play a position. So I ain't mad. Uh, so what they have left to do is they got to get that catcher. They got to bring in Bauer. Um and we'd love to see a, an actual center fielder for once, like someone who can catch fly balls. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, do, <laughs> do you have your do you have your eye in free agency? Are you looking at some free agent and be like, "Yo, I really want that dude." Yeah, I mean, Real Muto obviously is is the best catcher on the market, but I don't think he's worth the money. Mm. So they can go for somebody like uh, McCann. I don't even remember his first name. I know on the Braves you have Brian McCann for a long time, but the other McCann uh, is a very good catcher. Then you, have, then you have George Springer from the Astros who could play center field. Um, you have, of course, Trevor Bauer. Uh, I think they had their eye on Charlie Morton, but he just, he just signed somewhere. I forget. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, we could steal DJ LeMahieu from the Yankees. That would be phenomenal. But then we'd <laughs> run into that problem again where we'd have three guys out of position. 
uh, unless they make the trade for Lindor. Like for once, the possibilities for a Mets fan is endless. It's not like, okay, mm. all the free agents signed. Who's left on the scrap heap that we can get for really, really cheap? <laughs> okay, great. We'll pick up all of those guys. No, for once, it's like, no, no, no. We want A-plus guys, and that's it. We want the best guy available at every position. I ain't mad at it. <laughs> Bro, that's so much hope. Like, that brings so much hope. You know what I mean? Like, to a fan base, that's crazy. Yeah, I've never had that hope before watching the Mets. And I'm also a Knicks fan. So there was never any hope for anything orange and blue. It's just all, it's just all bad all the time. I'm not really – I'm not into football. But if I was, you know, I, I'd probably be a Jets fan, which would make everything <laughs> even worse. So – I, I do I do watch you know I'll I'll root for the Giants but I I feel like if I was really into football because I'm already a Mets and a Knicks fan torture is the thing I like so I would probably be a diehard Jets fan. Yo, you know what I talked to um I talked to DJ Michael too when we had we had another show called the Bayfield and he would become like actually his first. Me, me, my first time seeing him as a wrestler was watching him storm through the Trackstar studio, right? Like, like trying to get <laughs> get into um get into our room, and he comes boom, 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 run, and he he has his um his uh his uh, jersey on, right? His New York Knicks jersey, and he like slams on the table when he start, starts ranting about on um, why the Knicks were gonna be great in the future. Um, that didn't really pan out, but <laughs> no. but. What do you, what do you think that let's talk Knicks for a second. What do you think what do you think for them in the future? What do you see for them? I don't know, man. It's just it's just so bad. Like I'm never one of those people who's like, yeah, I'll stop supporting, you know, the team or whatever. But man, I don't think I've really watched more than a quarter of a Knicks game for three or four years. It's just <laughs> it's just too painful. Like I was really, really into that. I watched through some really bad years. Mm. Like talking about mid 2000s, like before Mello was there, yep. before Amari Stoudemire, those years were bad. These years are just take the cake, like so much worse. I don't even know the people on the court. It's just like, who, who are, who are these guys? Like, where did they come from? Um, you know, I'll, I'll follow them. You know, I'm more of a box score follower now. Yeah. Like every, every day I'll check. All right. Did, I know the Knicks aren't going to win, but I'll, I'll look at the box score, right? who did what. So I'm like familiar with the team. You know, I'm kind of up to date, but man, to sit there and watch, I, I can't do that. I'm, I already have enough punishment watching the Mets, Yo. <laughs> which, hopefully, which hopefully changes. Yo, okay, let's, let's, let's switch back for a second. You have a guy who's a known Christian, right? Everybody loves this. Well, most Christians love this guy. And I yeah. didn't really figure that out until um, he started having some success in the NFL. You know, I think yeah, that's yeah. where I'm going now, right? Um, he had some success in the NFL. Then all of a sudden, all these Christians want to come to my house and watch football. So um, this guy <laughs> I'm talking about, Tim Tebow, right? He's in the Mets organization, and he's kind of been working his way up, right? He's moved from, you know, like single A, now he's at triple A. Right. Yeah. And he's he's close. I guess he's close to to that spot in, in a in, in a majors. What would it feel like for a Mets fan to see Tim Tebow actually in the majors donning a jersey? Yeah, here's the thing. I don't think anybody, any Mets fan that I know would really wants to see Tim Tebow in, in a uniform. <laughs> um, like I remember when Tebow was doing the baseball tryouts yeah. um, and he tried out for a bunch of teams. And the joke was, watch, watch, watch. He's gonna. The Mets are gonna be the only team that signs him because it's such a Mets thing to do. And what happened? It said, "Oh, you know, Tim Tebow agrees to a minor league deal for the Mets." And I'm like, "Oh no, 
I was like, because of course they did. Of course they did. Um, man, it, it's a cool story, but that's, that's really all it is. He's, he's, uh, I mean, for a guy who played football for his whole life to then walk onto a baseball field and actually like do things like that's super impressive. Like this guy, all athletes in, in professional sports are the best athletes in the world. Like I've been playing, I played baseball. I play, I've been playing softball for like 15 years. There is no way that I could walk onto a field and even like try to even touch a fastball. It would never happen. It would never happen. And this guy was just throwing footballs, you know, for probably 15 years and he got on the field and he hits home runs. So, I mean, he's bat, he bats below 200. Um, he's very bulky, you know, he's just cause he's a big dude. He's a football player. Um, I, I just don't want to see it. Like I remember, I remember Michael, when Michael Jordan played baseball, uh, people gave him a lot of grief. Oh, this guy was terrible. I was like, yo, Michael Jordan, same thing as Tebow had played baseball probably at that point for about 18 years. The man stole 40 bases. He batted 200 and he played center field. So like, if you would have let him start with baseball, if he did put up those numbers after not even touching a baseball since he's 14, mm. you know, Michael Jordan could have been a professional baseball player. I don't see that same type of, of talent in Tebow. I'm willing to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of things would have had to have gone wrong to see Tim Tebow on the field for the Mets. Because that means he'd be out playing the people that are there or everyone would be injured. And I don't know if I'm, if I could handle that. <laughs> Yo, one thing I love about you, man, just like watching, even watching previous interviews, you always tell it how it is, regardless of how it is. You tell it exactly <laughs> how it is. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I've invested a lot of time uh, into my sports or into whatever I'm passionate about. So I can't, I can't sugarcoat it. Also, um, it's probably the New York, the New Yorker. In yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> yo but you run it like just how it is and i love that you broke a story that i found some interest in man i was just well actually you broke plenty of stories i found interesting um but there's one about michael v and him making his his wrestling debut right so i was yeah. like yo that's crazy he's making his wrestling debut and then um we see one chh um rapper he comes out he's, he's like i'm coming for everybody you know what i mean but he's a former wrestler as well right mm -hmm. monster tarver um we and then just I wouldn't. So we've seen so many of these wrestlers um, or CHH rappers involved in wrestling, right? Yeah. Um, what's the What's the connection there, man? Why Why is it all of a sudden it's become a big connection? Yeah, I I don't necessarily know what the big connection is in, uh, but it's funny because you know you think of of uh, Christians are supposed to be like nice people, nonviolent. So wrestling <laughs> is fake violence. So it's like that's okay. Like this is. <laughs> This is the this is as hardcore as as uh, Christians are allowed to get, right? Um, but I, I think there's been a lot of Christian wrestlers over the years, guys who are believers, like, and a lot of athletes are in general because a lot of athletes are from the South or from the Bible Belt. So uh, in wrestling, I know you've had Ted DiBiase was, was a Christian, and even now you have AJ Styles, who um, there there's a I'm going to plug myself. There's an interview on Rapzilla with AJ Styles uh, right after he joined the WWE. Uh, it was, he remember he made his debut at the Royal Rumble. And everyone yeah. was like, whoa, it's AJ Styles. So I interviewed AJ Styles maybe two weeks after that. 
um, I think it was his first interview since he joined the WWE. Um, he is the biggest, well, according to himself, the biggest CHH fan ever. He grew up on Christian hip hop. Like that was all he listens to and he still listens to it now. So we started talking about that. Um, and he said, I'll go head to head with anybody uh, on CHH trivia. And that was something we tried to, we tried to set up uh, when Chris <laughs> Chicago was still doing the radio show. Yeah. He wanted to do AJ versus KJ, KJ 5-2. Oh, snap. Um, in a CHH trivia, trivia thing. But, you know, AJ's schedule is crazy. So we were never able, never able to line that up. But the funny thing is, and I didn't get any credit for it, but of course, uh, AJ was on a sports center segment with Jonathan Coachman. And one of the questions Coachman asked him was about Christian hip hop. He's like, so you're into this thing. Uh, and he tried to act like he had no idea what it was. I'm like, bro, it's not a crazy thing. <laughs> but, but Coachman was just like, yeah, so there's this thing called uh, Christian rap. You know, I hear you're a fan of that. Are, are you into that? And then AJ, you know, spoke about, it. yeah, it's the best music you can ever listen to. I feel like I'd be part of the CHH community is what he said. And Coachman got that from my interview he would have had to because where else is where else would is, you get that information where else is he yeah no no credit so thank you coachman um <laughs> but yeah so you have aj styles as a big champion of chh uh his song when he was on tn uh tna was a grit song he came to the ring with with mm. the song by grits um so so you have that you have that factor um titus o'neill is a christian yeah um That's and right. i inter i interviewed him for rapzilla too and i talking about breaking a story i i was his first interview that broke the silence when he got suspended by the wwe um and actually all the wrestling wrestling blogs actually picked up my story which was really really cool wow i didn't you know so the story kind of went viral in the wrestling sphere i did not go viral myself at all so it's just like <laughs> some guy some guy from some weird christian hip-hop website just wrote about titus o'neill somehow he got this interview but anyway let's talk about what titus said i was like okay so again i got no credit really but but i mean it was cool and titus o'neill you know he likes he was more of a gospel fan i would say but mm. you know he knows his lecrae's um he was a fan of the truth um so it's cool. So you have like these big figures in wrestling are Christian and Christian Josiah Williams is a Christian rapper who got a job working for the yep. WWE. Uh, now you, you, I know what up RG is a wrestling fan. And so many, so many guys are always talking about wrestling whenever the pay-per-views happen. And now Michael V is, is on the, the indie circuit uh, trying to do something, which he's got like that, that build to be you like know. one of those, one of those big guys, like all the moves he was doing, the slams, ripping the shirt off at the end, like that there's, that's a look for wrestlers. So that's like, that's something I, I hope he does well with, uh, you know, Michael's the homie. So I feel like, you know, I'd love to see him there. Maybe him and Josiah Williams could do a, a segment together. <laughs> Man, I, I love Michael V and I think he's made for it. Like, if, if I've ever seen somebody who's, like, made he, – he could be – I, I don't want to typecast him. You feel what I'm saying? Because yeah. I know he could be something that – right now he's going by what? Michael Casanova? Yeah, my, Michael – yeah, Michael Casanova. And I'm, I'm looking – like, I don't want to call him Big Cass already, right? But um, I'm looking forward to what he's going to become because I know his, he'll evolve in that space, and I know he'll dominate that space at some point. You know what I mean? Because he has that type of personality. At least I'm drawn to it. Well, it's he, he's kind of shooting a promo every time he's on a track, right? He <laughs> yeah. comes on, yo, DJ Mike LV here. 
you gonna talk to me, talk to me nice. And like he, and he says like all this stuff, you know, we're here with no big deal and we're killing it right now. Like, so he's always like in a promo, right? He's always cutting a promo. So now you just put him in front of the camera instead of an actual like song. And it's like, all right, cut that promo. And he does that because he DJs and he does, he, he was on tour with Dude Perfect, like kind of their ring announcer in a sense. So like he, he could do it. He's perfect. He's yeah. perfect for it. I think he's perfect for it, man. Um, look, I, w- I want to ask you, you have, you broke the story with, um, with Titus O'Neil, right? You've done stories with AJ Styles. You, these are big stories, right? Like these are big stories to break. Nobody would have known that AJ Styles had the ear for a Christian hip hop, right? That, that would, nobody would have known that. Um, your role at, over at Rapzilla, you do a lot of this. You do a lot of breaking stories, right? Like you interview a whole bunch of people. We yeah. talked before how many times you've, you know, interviewed this year alone, right? Like maybe just in the last few months, you went over and above almost any interview I know, right? So yeah. when you're getting ready for an interview like this, well, let's, let's, let's go behind the scenes a little bit. How are you prepping for an interview with a guy like Titus O'Neil, with a guy like AJ Styles? How are you prepping for those interviews? You know, it, it's weird uh, depending on so for for AJ and Titus O'Neil it's I knew who they were a lot you know I watched them on TV I, I I knew their body of work AJ I didn't know as much of because I didn't watch TNA I only watched WWE um so having that Christian hip-hop angle was really cool um because that was something I can dive into that you know I didn't really have to talk wrestling with him at all because there was a whole side of him that I could actually pick his brain on, you know? Uh, whereas Titus O'Neil, I really, you only know him from what you see in the WWE and, and some of his backstory. Um, so like th- those two preparations were different. The funny thing with Titus O'Neil is, you know, I was just trying to do a story and then I was like, all right, I don't know how sensitive the topic is of his suspension, mm-hmm. but I'll just throw it in real quick at the end. And then he wound up like cutting a promo in that interview, talking about it. <laughs> And then he like corresponded with me after that. Like he would talk to me about different things. So we had like a little bit of a a friendship after that. Um, I haven't spoken to him in a while though. Uh, AJ Styles was kind of like a one and done thing. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, just my thing is I never want to ask questions that you could Google. Mm. So, and, and you always want to ask a question that they haven't been asked before, because if, if, the person I'm interviewing ever pauses or stops and they're like, Oh, or like, Oh, that's a good question. It's like, yes, I did my job because <laughs> they didn't have a prepared answer for it. You know, if you're interviewing, let's say Lecrae dropped his restoration album. Mm. He's been talking about this restoration album. He's got all these answers prepared in his head. Yeah. You know, this guy was the producer. This was my message behind it. You know, track, whatever is about this, blah, blah, blah. But if I came in and asked him something totally unrelated that he wasn't expecting, and did that deep dive research, then he's like, oh, shoot. I don't know. I never thought of it. Let's think of a new answer. Mm. Um, or anytime you hear them repeat the question, because then that means they have to say it again because they're like, oh, what was that question? Oh, so you're asking me about, I was like, yeah, I know. That's what I said. So like, that's how you know. <laughs> that's how you know that you got, got them because they, they didn't think about it. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a lot of research. The best person at this is Sean Evans from the show Hot Ones. Mm. Um, if you've ever watched Hot Ones, uh, this, this guy will be like, um, so I found a clip of you in your, in your high school newspaper from when you were 14 years old that you won a, a math competition 
what was it like getting losing in second place to John Smith? And like, it's like, <laughs> what? Like, how do you know this? So, so like that sort of deep dive takes like so much dedication. Like, I wish I had that much time, mm. like that I can like go call someone's high school or find out information. But I try to do the best I can with that um, because I'm not interested in what you're promoting. Um, I'm not interested in what you're doing now because that's what you're telling everybody about. I'm interested in things that nobody knows about. So I'll always throw one question at the end. All right, so you just dropped your new album. Tell me about it. And that's the last thing I ask. Uh, and everything before that, I want to have nothing to do with whatever they're promoting. I mean, I get my best interviews that way. Um, and then for artists, a lot of times when I interview an artist, um, when, I, when I interview a new artist, an artist that I've never spoken to, mm. most of the time I won't listen to their music, really. Um, I don't usually become a fan of somebody until I interview them. It's just this weird thing that I have. Like, they'll be like, oh, what's your favorite album by me? What's your favorite song? It's like, oh, I just listened to your music this morning just before the interview. I've never really listened to you like that before. And they're like, what? For real? I was like, yeah, because I don't want to come into it with some sort of expectation or, or like a bias or a notion like, mm -hmm. oh man, I'm a huge fan. I got to talk to you because I've done that in the past. And I feel like at times when I'm a big fan of somebody and I know their work, like their actual music really well, the interview will let me down. Uh, because it'd be like, man, you're my favorite artist of all time. And then the interview is like, just okay. So it's just like, oh man, like that kind of stuff. So for me, like, if I don't know you, awesome. You're going to get a better interview because I have nothing coming into it to gauge it by. I, it's purely like my research and my, me trying to figure out what type of person you are. Like, yeah. And, and I also, it gives me a chance not to like fanboy out to like oh my gosh like i'm speaking to ruslan today or you know like or dayton or whoever i'm speaking to uh so yeah i think i'm kind of just weird that way and then after i finished the interview i'm like oh i'm a fan of your music your your music's really dope because i listen to it now yo um this is what i i love about where you are right like there was a transition and you talked about it in, in the interview you did with this that's not christian podcast right you mm -hmm. talked about how at some points you would fanboy right yeah Dude, how did you, like, how, how, what's that fanboy transition like, right? Because you start off like that, right? But how do you transition into not being like that? Because you've interviewed some of the bad, like, some of the best ever, right? Like, you're, you're wearing the DC Talk hat right now. You interview, interviewed Toby Mac. And I know that was a situation, right? So if you're going to do that, yeah. then, I mean, if I would have interviewed Toby Mac, it would have been straight fanboy, like, the whole time. Does the first time I interviewed him, it was. Okay. <laughs> the second time, I think there was enough space in between that maybe he didn't remember. Oh. Uh, so it was much better. Yeah, but so that transition. Yeah. Um, see, the key is, at least my key is, I could still be a fanboy. I just can't, um, I just can't let you know it as much. Okay. So maybe instead of the, be instead of the beginning of the interview, me going, oh, man, Toby Mac, man, you mean so much to my life. Uh, I listened to your music since I was five years old and you're the best. Okay, let's talk now. Uh, instead of doing that, maybe I'll do the interview first and then I'll say at the end, oh, by the way, Toby, you know, you've meant a lot to me. So this interview is super dope. I'm a huge fan. You know, thank you for your time. Rather than almost crying, you know, in the beginning. Um, but also my, my style is very conversational. 
So just how we're talking now, that's how I do my interviews. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times people are very stuffy or very serious when they give interviews. Like I'm not trying to be like a Barbara Walters or like someone you see on TV. <laughs> so Toby Mac, when you dropped that first album, how did it feel? Like, no, man. Like I'm, I want to be, I want you to be comfortable. Like we're talking and I want to approach it. Like I actually know what I'm talking about too. And, and just have that, that conversation like yo so toby when you dropped that first record i thought it was super dope tell me all about it like i want that excitement that energy mm -hmm. i want i want to bring it up and i think there's that comfortable uh, getting comfortable there's that there's a factor there um oftentimes you know you get comfortable with someone at the end of the interview mm -hmm. and then you don't get anything it's like oh man you know it's almost like i wish you would have asked me these hard questions you know now yeah. Now that I know you and that I like you. So I try to like amp it up kind of quick. Like I'll start off slow. Let's say maybe question one or two is maybe not like a softball question, but it's like, all right, I'll take it easy. But then by like three and four or five, like I want to start getting into it. So by the time I get to the end, they will tell me anything I ask. Um, and often that's the case. Like, man, this is such a dope interview. Like I'll even give you extra time. And Toby did that for me. Like they gave me, I think, 15, 20 minutes the last time I spoke to Toby. And I'm like, that's not enough because I have like two days worth of questions for this guy. Wow. Uh, so we got to, uh, you know, the 20 minutes. I was like, man, I know you got 20 minutes, but you know, I got a few more questions. Oh, man, don't worry about it. Let's go. Let's keep going. Um, and that always makes you feel good, too, because it's like they're enjoying themselves. Mm -hmm. um, if they're like, nah, man, that's it. Like, I, I got to go. Like, if they're trying to get out of there, like, I know I didn't do my job. Mm. So anytime they give me that 5, 10, 15, whatever minute, sometimes they'll just be like, yo, shut the clock off. Just go. Let's just talk. Um, that's great. I got that. I got that. It's almost like two friends talking. So that, that's kind of one of my secrets onto getting good interviews. Like, you just, just ask it. Don't be afraid to ask. The worst they could do is get mad, and they, but they still got to finish the interview with you. And they can't get too mad at you because you're the one who's writing it and be like, well, you know, this guy's got an attitude and, you know, <laughs> so yeah, man, it's uh, that's, that's kind of something I've picked up over the years and I've, I've gotten much better, you know, as I've gone, I guess like every two years, I kind of have some sort of breakthrough and a level up. So right now I think I'm, I'm at my, right now I'm at my peak. So maybe in like two years, I'll, I'll figure out something to be even better. Um, but that's kind of what I find like two or three years. I, I like, I guess I evolve in ability. <laughs> Yo, you got, you got the secret sauce in, in asking the tough ones, right? Like yeah. the tough ones that maybe another, you know, somebody else may not um, want to answer. I mean, not they, they, somebody may not want to answer, but somebody may not be bold enough to ask. Right. Like an interview where if I'm just kind of like, for instance, if I'm like, you know, hey, thank you so much for being here. You know, welcome. I don't want to ask that hard question. How do you fight past that? I know it's always in, already in your personality to get straight to the whatever it is. Yeah. But how do you fight through all that stuff to ask those tough, tough questions to yeah. people who other people kind of may idolize this stuff? Yeah. Well, again, I think it comes to just being comfortable. If you make them comfortable and you feel like and I don't say this to like be cocky or whatever but and you feel like you know they can eat out the palm of your hand answering questions <laughs> if you get to that point it's like yo anything anything is fair game 
Um, but it's also coming at it with an understanding of what it is. So if you're talking, let's just say we're this year, big theme was everything that's been going on with the racial, with social injustice right. and, and all that. So I've become very, very knowledgeable about it. I've written about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican and white. So I have a little bit of experience just, you know, I know the white side and I know, you know, about the marginalized side uh, being Puerto Rican, Hispanic people. Um, you know, everybody, I'd say 90% of the people I speak to in, in CHH are black. So it's like, I have this empathy. I have this, these conversations I've had, right. Um, I've heard, you know, I've seen people cry. I've spoken to people who were crying when they were speaking to me. So like, I've seen all sides of the spectrum so I can understand where everybody's coming from. So I think I'm able to ask those questions because most people who know me or know the reason why I'm doing the interview have this expectation that um, I'm asking them like genuinely, right. I'm not going to spin a story on them. You know, I just, we're trying to learn and especially the community during chaos show, you know, that the whole theme of that was let's take every week. I want to take a walk through someone else's shoes, whether they're, they're white, black, Spanish, male, female, huge rapper like Lecrae or really indie rapper who maybe has 40 fans, but you know, they're doing great community work. You know, every person's voice matters on social issues and issues um, that are happening in the world right now. So I, I try not to hold those biases against people. And I'm like, yo, let's just have a really tough conversation. But at the end of the day, let's everyone let's learn. So those 75 interviews are 75 different walks that I've taken in someone else's shoes. Um, so I just have this, you know, I, I just, I just, you know, have that knowledge of knowing what of, uh, you know, different cultures and different people. So those tough questions to me, it's like, it's not the first time I'm asking it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I know the answer, but it's just conveying it in a way that's like, let's talk about it. Let's draw that out, that experience. Um, if that makes sense. No, I don't know. Ton, it makes a ton of sense. It, make, it sounds like, trust right right like they have to trust you and, right. and you get to the point in an interview where they start to trust you right that, that's what it, you know like, it, I guess yeah if there's if there's doing. no trust like if if we're if we're talking and i'm getting a weird vibe from you and i feel like if i say something you know you're going to spin it or you're going to turn into something else like i'm going to be careful right i'm going to be guarded or yeah. if i had a prior experience like oh last time i interviewed with justin i said something and he took that quote completely out of context and i got roasted for it um, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook. I never want that to happen. You know, my, the joy that I get is telling other people's stories. Mm. You know, it's, it's your story to be told. I have the privilege and the honor of sharing what you're telling me. So for me, that's like taking your baby and you're like, here, hold my baby for a second. And I'm like, yo, I can't drop this baby. Yo, if you're the guy who drops a baby, nobody's going to like you. But I'm going to hold that baby really tight. I'm going to take care of that baby. And then I'm going to give it back to you when you're ready. So that's, that's kind of how I view doing interviews and doing stories. And I encourage anybody, if you're watching this, if, I've, if you felt like I've ever wronged you in an interview <laughs> or write up, yo, please let me know. Because it's never, my, it's never my intention to. And I make it right, you know, as soon as I'm able to. And as long as you're not lying. Okay. <laughs> that, is, that has happened to me where, where I've interviewed people and they said something a hundred percent. They said it, 
I have it recorded, whatever. And then I write the story. I never said that he's making it up. Like he lied. And, and then people come after me and I'm like, yo, I held your baby. I took care <laughs> of the baby. I gave it back. You said everything was all cool. And then I did it. And then you said, you dropped my baby. And then, <laughs> and I was like, I didn't, I didn't. I never dropped your baby. <laughs> I never dropped your baby. Stop lying. Uh, so that's happened to me before too. Uh, fortunately, it hasn't happened in a while. I think that's part of, like I said, the two to three year level up. I haven't mm-hmm. dropped any babies in the last, you know, two or three years. <laughs> I love it, man. You did something cool on, um, I believe it's Twitter, uh, Stefan Marbury. You saw him having a conversation, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, with the kid. And he tells the kid, you don't have to play basketball, right? You could be president. Yeah. And it's just like touching moment, man. Like, it's a, like a big deal. You, you post it. He then pins it to his account. It gets like a lot, a lot of um, views. When you first saw it, like what what hit you yeah it, it's funny so to this day that's the most successful thing i've ever done <laughs> that that video i think it has like 160,000 views it's still pinned to stefan marbury's page wow i've tweeted at him dm'd him maybe 25 times bro i'm the one who who made that video <laughs> that you pinned can we get an interview like I DM'd him on, on Instagram. I've tweeted at him. I've retweeted. I've done nothing. I have not heard a peep from him. What? But all he saw was that somehow he saw that video um, and, and he pinned it. Uh, but he won't answer me for anything. I'd love to interview him. But uh, yeah, I, I watched that. And I think this is kind of me, as I was saying, like a lot of the people I speak to, you know, are, are black, especially community during chaos. And they've all told me like similar stories, like, you know, no one believed in me or I've had a hard time or, you know, people don't think I, I can do this or, you know, growing up, nobody ever told me that I'd amount to anything. People said I'd be in jail, you know, whatever, whatever the case might be. So the second that came across my screen, I got it. Right. Cause it was just saying like, I, I have had these conversations all the time. So I'm like, yo, Stefan Marbury is having this important conversation with the little kid. These are the same conversations that I'm having with adults and he's having it with the kid. I think if I were to rip this clip and share it, I think it would do, I, I thought in my head, like, I think this could go viral or this could go really well because it's such a sentiment of everybody that I've spoken to. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who would watch this and be like, no, no, that's stupid. Nope. <laughs> hey. And I mean, you, you always get that right. Anyway even though you're, you're like shocked, like how, how did somebody not like this? Trolls, man. Um, but like, but this clip, I felt it had that potential. So I went in there. It was literally the perfect 45 seconds that Twitter allows. That 45 second clip was exactly perfect from that documentary. So I uploaded it and, you know, it started getting shares or whatever. And then it started going crazy. And I'm like, yo, like what happened? And then I look and Marbury pinned it to his page and I was like oh well there we go uh but yeah I didn't get that I didn't get that Marbury interview which I was a I'm I was a huge huge Stefan Marbury fan when he was with the Knicks you I had them shoes I had about 10 pairs of Starberries because they were like <laughs> they were like 10 bucks each I had all his jerseys I had like a whole like 10 Starberry jerseys I got I still got a few with me but you know that <laughs> 10, 12 bucks. I, I was like yeah, 16, yeah. 17 years old. I'm like, yeah, I'm buying one in every color. I can afford this. 
and I was I was rocking them all the time. So like Marbury was was huge. So to have him pin that that was like one of those fanboy moments. I was like, oh my god, he just <laughs> he just pinned my tweet. Like I could actually get to talk to him. I didn't, but you know I was grateful. You know for, I mean me. <laughs> Technically, I, I stole his clip from his own movie. Yeah. But then he was like, no, that's cool. And he just pinned it. <laughs> so I saw that important moment. And clearly, he knew that that was an important moment. Mm-hmm. And now other people can watch that and be inspired. So we indirectly uh, worked together on this, on, on sharing out this clip. And I would imagine, honestly, that if 160,000 people watch that clip, a bunch of those movie, a bunch of those people were like, oh, what movie is that from? Mm. And a bunch of those people went and watched his documentary because of the clip that I uploaded. Um, so, Marbury, I helped out your marketing. Please, just just throw your boy a bone. Just Respond, get, man. 15-minute interview. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all I want. Yo, I never thought, and, and you know, I've, I've kind of been, you know, associated with Rapzilla for a while. I would never think that you could even send out an invitation and not get a response. You know what I mean? Like, I would never think that. Like, how did that, did that, did that happen sometimes? Well, apparently, yeah, right? But I know you want, like, golly, like, there's got to be a way, right, for him to, to, to say something back. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, I, I don't – Marbury is, is kind of all over the place if, yeah. if you follow him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, there's no contact pages anywhere. There's no like, speak to a manager. There's no like, uh, I have no idea okay. how to get a hold of him except okay. through social media. And Marbury is the type, you know, he's got a hundred thousand followers and he follows a hundred thousand people. So 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 he's probably getting mad tweets all yeah, day. Yeah, he yeah. just so happened to see mine, maybe because as he scrolled, he saw his face right mm-hmm. in the video clip. Um. So, yeah, I think it was just kind of a luck of the draw type thing. And maybe enough people retweeted it. So it kept appearing, you know, on his page. And that's why he pinned it. But, yeah, I, I have no idea how to get in contact with him other than social media. Well, look, I'm praying for that. I'm praying you get that interview. Um, but I want to I want to sneak peek. What would be one <laughs> what would be one question you would ask um, my Barry? Oh man, put me on the spot. I didn't nah. get to do my research. No, no, that's good. Uh, what could I ask Marbury? Um, I would definitely have to ask him about the the global impact that he was able to make because of mm. all his success in China. And I would definitely want to know, like he was a superstar here. Yeah. Uh, but his the way he faded out from the NBA and the Knicks, it was like so bad. It was like, a lot of these great players kind of have those tragic endings where you're like, oh man, like they kind of deserve better. But then he goes to China and he becomes like the biggest basketball player, you know, outside of yeah. Yao Ming or Jeremy Lin in China. Like he's up there. Um, so I'd want to know like how, how like he was able to give back or work within that community. Cause we saw what he did here, right? We saw him create these starberries for, for low income people. Like he wanted, everyone to be able to afford a shoe. We saw what he, he means or he meant to Coney Island in Brooklyn. So how does that transfer to a totally different continent on the other side of the world? And with there being um, a language barrier, obviously he doesn't know the culture as he went there. So I'd be curious to like figure out like some of those things. I want to know about those. I'd have to ask him. Um, I'd have to ask him about playing for the Knicks, of course. And uh, you know, his last season when they benched him and, and 
you know, because I feel like he's he'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, just growing up as a New Yorker, I mean, there's so many things we could dive into. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I be. maybe a, maybe a distinct. I have one distinct memory um, of Marbury for one particular basketball game that I would ask him about, where he got a rebound. And he had, I think, two or three seconds to get up court and score. And he did it. He laid it up right at the buzzer from the other side of the court, and the Knicks won. And I remember going crazy. <laughs> so I'd want to ask him about that game. Like, do you remember that specific play and what was running through your mind? So that would be a cool thing because uh, I doubt, you know, for most basketball players or fans or whatever, that, that was just another game, you know. But for me, like, it's a distinct memory I have of, like, yo, Marbury just won this game in three seconds. So, yeah. Dude, based yeah. on what you just did, you could teach a master's class in interviews, right? <laughs> Those were questions you just came up with just now. You know what I mean? Like, you just came up with that just now. And I'm just saying right now, if, if Rapzilla launches Rapzilla Sports, ESPN better watch out. Because um, that was quick. Oh man, that might be the next move. <laughs> I might have to make that move. I'll get I'll get you to help me because see, man, I, I've, I've, I've really appreciated your questions because you're asking me about things I don't talk about with anybody, which is what I just said to you is my golden <laughs> thing. Like you actually saw on my Facebook that I yeah. talk about the Mets. <laughs> I, I only on Facebook because I know my Twitter audience doesn't either a doesn't care about baseball or are definitely not Mets fans. But I know all my friends and, and family that follow me were, you know, were Mets fans. So I talked about that. And I deleted my Facebook <laughs> last week. So, so you're just drawing back from memories. So this is great. So this is great. Yo, let me. So you're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Um, yo, what, what is it like? You're, you're pretty out in the open on Twitter. You're out in the open. And people can see you and interact with you. Um, and you know how the CHH world is. It's really close-knit, right? Yo, your DMs must be crazy. Like, what is it like to be you on Twitter? Yeah, well, for, for the open part, like, I definitely want to be transparent, right? Because, again, that builds trust. Like, I'm not, I'm not hiding anything from mm -hmm. anybody. I don't have anything to hide from anybody. And if I do have something to hide, that means I'm doing something that's not good or not mm -hmm. right. Um, so then how could you trust me if I'm off sneaking, doing other things? Um, Twitter is where I guess I'm most open with, I, I would kind of consider Twitter, like that's my professional page, like Instagram, you know, I'll, I'll post pictures of things, but you know, I post a picture of my kids, you know, cooking, like different things that I'm doing. Facebook is more family or to vent or to get driven crazy and go away. <laughs> but Twitter is like, yeah, I'm talking about CHH. I'm talking about artist tips. You know, that's specifically my, my mode. So you know what you're going to get when you follow me on Twitter. So I want to keep that same energy uh, when I talk to people. My DMs have been crazy. Um, not so bad lately uh, because I have been probably a little less active just because I've been so busy. Wow. Um, but yeah, I welcome anybody. I, I would say, I would say I get to like, like 9.5 out of 10 of the DMs that come in. Sometimes I'm just like, mm, like, not that it's crazy. Like if they have a question, I'll answer it. But sometimes it's just like annoying stuff or like spamming me with links. And I'm just like, yeah, don't do that to me. Uh, so maybe like those I won't answer. But if you have like a general question, 
if if I, I remember seeing a tweet by by somebody a couple of days ago like oh i don't understand um uh, you know picking people's brain like shouldn't you pay for people's time yeah and i know exactly who put out that tweet yeah I actually exactly i think what you're talking about i think it was i think it was aaron knight yeah that's aaron because i know aaron. if aaron was watching this <laughs> she'd want me to say it. yeah that's aaron I, and i agree with her 100 percent. this isn't calling out aaron at all because i love aaron and and um you know, I've done I've this had, before. Yeah, I've I've had questions for her and, and you know, she's hit me up about stuff too. Um, but that's because, you know, we know each other, you know, there's that trust there. Um I'm I'm a little iffy on it because like I'd love to get paid, but I know people aren't gonna pay me for my time most of the time. I've I've come to terms with that. <laughs> but I, I also know I also know that throughout the years, if I wasn't able to pick somebody's brain or just ask a question there's a ton of things that mm. i wouldn't know so anytime i'm able to give back in a sensible type fashion not like i'm going to have a two-hour conversation with you because yeah then you should pay me but if, but if you're asking me like a question and i feel like i can answer that and i have the time to answer it you know i'm more than than happy to do it um the only time it becomes a real burden is you know, a lot of times people will get carried away mm. and they're just like, I'm going to talk to Justin all the time. I'm just going to be asking <laughs> things all the time. And then I'm like, all right, buddy, like you need to slow down or bro, let me get your number. Let me just call you. No, 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 no. Like you can DM <laughs> me on Twitter. You can ask me some questions, but you got to like stop harassing me. Like this is yeah. getting a lot. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, for the most part, I, I would agree with Aaron's tweet, like pay me for your time. But I think there's, there's, um, you know, there's caveats to everything. And for me, you know, she's, she's a manager, right. And, yeah. and the head of a label. So like what people are going to be asking of her time is a lot different than what they're going to be asking of me. Like people with her, they're trying to get on her label or they're yeah. trying to be, what's your secret to management or, or, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, that's how I make my money. Like I can't give you my <laughs> secrets with me. I'm a journalist. So like, I don't make my money from people asking me those questions. Like my money stays the same unless yeah. they're willing to pay me. So like, I can give out some of that information and be like, oh no, now they're my competition. That They're not. Like, I'm just giving them information. So that's yeah. kind of how I look at it. Yo, man. Um, I've actually talked to Aaron on, I just actually, you know, I, I work with Trackstars for a really yeah. long time. I've been with Trackstars. Mm-hmm. And so um, Aaron has come to the studio. Like we, I've watched her like, before all before everybody knew who she was right yeah i kind of watched her come in and just kind of chill there right um and when i was coming you know through my album and stuff like that i, I was like i'll pick her brain a lot right one day i called her and i was like hey Aaron, um how do you feel about that da, 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 da. and she just walks me through and just drops tons of gems on me like gym after gym after gym about promotion and marketing and stuff like that and i just felt led to throw you know i'm like hey ma'am here's a little here's a little something for your time and I don't know what possessed me to do that, but when I saw her tweet, I was like, "Thank God that I decided to do that." You got in. You got in there before before it closed down. <laughs> yeah, but you also there. you provided a tip though, and I think that's that's really important. Like I've had a couple people like offer me sometimes, and I'm just like, "Nah, I think it's okay." Uh, but you know, it 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 all depends. It all depends. That was a really cool thing you did, and I would I would say most. I would say 99% of people would take take the freebie and run. I tell you what, she was she was so excellent though. 
You know what I mean? Like the gym mm-hmm. she dropped on me, I knew would make me income. You right. know what I mean? And right. I'm not rich. Nothing happened like that. I, you know, like blew up or anything. But yeah. it was, it was so, it was such great information that I thought it deserved it. Yo, um, I gotta ask you this question. I've heard you talk about this before, where you get, um, you get like 500 music submissions, music submissions a week, and you got to go through them, right? Yeah. Um, that means, and you've been with Rapzilla for about five years now, right? Especially this November, you've been with them at least five years, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's the case, how have you watched CHH or Christian hip hop evolve over the course of the last five years? Yeah, it's interesting. So I've probably been doing the the submissions for two years, I mm. want to say. Two and a half, maybe. Um, see, coming, it, it was cool. And I, I think I said this a little on the That's Not Christian podcast, but yep. like, I came into CHH really not knowing anything about CHH. It was what I knew least about in Christian music. Like I was a big rock fan. Uh, I just knew about the pop side and the worship side just from my, my job previously and, and just growing up in it. Um, very limited CHH knowledge. So for me, it was kind of, it was a new challenge, right? It was like, now nah, I got to go back and I got to listen to records. Mm-hmm. or I got to figure out who every single artist is that isn't on reach. Cause that's all I knew was reach. And I wasn't even like a fan of anybody on Reach. Like I, I didn't really know their music at all. Like Lecrae, my first Lecrae album was Anomaly. Yep. My first Andy album was, uncom- <laughs> was Uncomfortable. So like prior to 2014, I have no idea what happened with the whole Unashamed movement. Like nothing. Like that's all stuff I had to go find yeah. out. And I still don't really know about it. Um, so, so it's interesting. So I feel like I'm part of, this new, of the new school of CHH. Mm. Like those early interviews that I did, I remember some of the first interviews I did were uh, with with Lauren, with No Big Deal, um, with Davis Absolute, who's now Floodlight Forever, you know, Mowgli the Iceberg. Like they were all like just starting to like percolate. Yeah. And I was interviewing them as they were doing them. So then I watched them go over the years and I see that evolution into like some of the, like into who they are now. Yeah. I think I was, I was what up RG's first interview ever. Wow. Um, he only had two tracks out. And I remember he was on like everybody's songs. He was on like a no big deal song. He was on a Lawrence song. Um, he did a whole bunch of, of features. And, I was, and we were like at Rapzilla, we were like, who is this guy? I, was like, I don't know. I'm going to send him a DM. So I sent him a DM. I was like, yo, can I talk to you? And he was like, yeah, cool. I think he was like 19 at the time. So I think I was RG's first interview he, he had two songs out and then to see where rg is now you yeah. almost feel like you know you get like that proud parent like you're just like <laughs> you know like five years ago i saw where i saw you were just a little boy and now you're a man like like you're like you're making it um so i think it's really cool that again remember i said i don't like to um interview people that i'm a fan of like mm. i don't listen to their music until i come in so for me it was like that i had no like perceived uh conceptions of what chh was until i was in it so i don't know what happened in the past i don't care about whatever drama (laughs) happened you don't like this person whatever i just know you right now in this moment Mm. and then we can just move forward and grow together so i think i think basing it on the last five years i think chh is in a phenomenal place because i had listened to it you know in the past and heard things in the past you know here and there and i was just like i didn't like it because you know, I, I didn't know about it because I didn't like it. It was just like, oh, this, this isn't that great. 
like I felt like it was always behind regular mm -hmm. hip hop. And in Christianity, that always happens. Like we're always like five years late on whatever trend is, is happening, whether yep. it be movies, rock music, rap music, whatever. But I think CHH is at a place where it's just as good, if not better quality coming from our space than there is anywhere else. Um, like I find mainstream hip hop almost, depending who you are, like who you're hearing on the radio, like I feel like it's unlistenable to me. And it's not because of the, you know, not necessarily the content, which isn't great um, yeah. or whatever. It's just like, I, I don't think it's anything special. Like I think a lot of it is really dumb. Maybe that's just me being old because now I'm 32 and I'm a dad of two. So maybe I turned into, I got dad ears. Now. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but most of these artists are like in their early to mid twenties. Right. Yeah. And I remember when I was like 20, 21, you know, and I was doing music and I was doing different stuff. I'd be like, yeah, I got to be into everything that's out now. And I can't listen to that old head stuff or whatever. And now it's like, <laughs> I'm the old head. And I'm just like, I get it now. Um, but like CHH, like it's, it's, it's good. You got quality rappers in there, quality artists, yeah, men and women that are just absolutely killing it, who deserve more credit than they actually get. And now they finally are. I think when you see someone like Wande, Wande Song yeah. Woo have over 2 billion plays when you're seeing Lecrae get these crazy placements, even when you're seeing some of the smaller artists get placements, um, it's phenomenal. It makes me happy. It's like, yo, these people are getting recognized and they deserve so much more. Man, I think one, one thing that I, I've thought that was really cool about you um, and what I've seen Rapzilla kind of evolve right over the last few years is pulling up those people who, um, who are kind of getting started. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, like highlighting them and bringing them to the forefront so people know who they are, right? Um, and I think you've done a great job of that. Like, there's so many people who have kind of watched work through that space, right? Yeah. Um, and wish and hope for that opportunity um, mm -hmm. to get highlighted. And you guys have done a, a, a you know, a, a good job over the course of the last few years, grabbing those guys up and saying, hey, look, there's a wonderful story here. You don't know who the artist is, maybe. There's a phenomenal story in this guy. There's a beautiful story in this girl. You know what I mean? And you've highlighted those stories. And I thought that's, I think that's been excellent over the last few years. Yeah, I, I've. That's that's something I, I've kind of like really pushed. Like we have Steven Solis at Rabzilla, who's discovered yeah. everybody and their mama. Um, <laughs> you know, your your social clubs, your you know, he was the first one to post Holvey before Holvey was even on Reach Records. Mm. Uh, you know, your Paris Cariz is like all these guys, Aha Gazelle. Like Steven Solis was the yeah. first one to ever post these guys. So he's got like that. Call, you know, I know in his bio it says he's the Wizard of Oz of CHH. <laughs> that that rings true. Um, so for me, you know, more of the storyteller and journalist, because Steven isn't, mm. you know, I have a different uh, approach to things. So maybe my ear is not necessarily, you know, I can catch the next big artist like Steven can, but I recognize when someone has a great story mm. and what they're saying is meaningful and that. I can see potential, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm good at seeing potential, maybe not necessarily that they're going to blow up or, or whatever. But I think just by having these conversations, again, being active on Twitter, putting my face out there, because if people ultimately, if, if someone has a problem with Rapzilla or doesn't like something about Rapzilla, who's the face they always see? It's mine. 
So even if I did nothing <laughs> wrong to them, you know, and maybe it was, it was Chad who got them mad or, or they just don't like Rapzilla, period. Like my name gets dragged because I'm the editor. Mm. So I feel like it's kind of my responsibility to be like, no, no, no. Like, like you want to see what type of person I am. Like I'm giving you exactly what that, what that person is. I'm going to be that same way. I want to be a problem solver. If you've got a problem, let's talk about it. So, so even finding these, these young artists, like I want to, I kind of want to be the first person they speak to because not that I want to say that I discovered them, but like, I just want to be there kind of first to see where they're at, to gauge their temperature. And then later on, hope, hopefully they remember me and they're like, yo, Rapzilla has always been cool to me. Rapzilla has always been good to me. You know, I'll give them a story whenever they want. Not that they've elevated to this level. I don't need Rapzilla. Who's Rapzilla? I don't care about Rapzilla. <laughs> but, you know, I felt in most of my interactions, like no matter who it is, even like social club, social club is huge. Yeah. They'll always give me the time of day. It's, mm-hmm. And it's because I've always given them the time of day and had that trust and that respect. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for in young artists. It's like, if you get in there early enough, you <laughs> you can be like, Hey, we're all cool people. Let's continue to be cool people. And whatever happens, like, let's not forget about each other. Let's always support each other. It's kind of how I look at it. Hey, I get that a hundred percent, bro. <laughs> we did that. Um, so <laughs> We've had interviews with a few guys. Um, I don't know if you know, um, but other guy, Master Teague from Ohio state, he's a Christian, he's a full blown, like out Christian. He does Bible studies on Twitter. Right. Nice. Um, and right now he's just starting running back for Ohio state. And we had him on and getting him on. I was like, I was like, Lord, please let me get in there early. You know what I mean? The reason we got that interview is because um, of his relationship with track stars. He's been watching track stars since he was a little kid. Nice. Right. Yeah. And so because of that, when I came on, cause you know, I, I appear on there every now and again. So when I came on and asked him, you know, for an interview, he was like, yeah, of course. And to get him on, I was like, thank you, Lord. And now he's starting and he's blowing up. I see his name everywhere. And I'm like, you're so awesome, man. I appreciate that. Now, when he goes to the NFL, I'm going to get those tickets. I'm going to see. I'm going to see, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, um, last thing. Man, you have you, you were in music yourself for quite some time. Um, and you're around it now. You got a lot of connections. You can get tons of features. An album? Uh, see, I've been, I've been doing music a long time, but it's like, are the features that I'm going to be asking for, are they going to think I'm good enough and worthy <laughs> enough to grab the feature? I know plenty of people who owe me favors, for sure, yeah. that they should give me that feature no matter what I sound like. Might work, man. Um, nah, man, yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I've, uh, I have enough music for like a couple of albums, but it's just, it's tough. Like, mm. so I, I was in a band... I've been in bands or been doing some sort of music since about 2002. I got a drum set as a graduation gift uh, when I was in eighth grade. Well, when I graduated eighth grade, my father bought me a drum set. So I was a drummer all through high school in like punk rock bands and rock bands and stuff. And then uh, the person that I always played music with, you know, he was younger than I. So he started getting really good. And I just kind of stayed the same level of good at drums <laughs> so he started playing these things on the bass and on the guitar and i was like yo i can't drum to this this is like really technical this is like crazy stuff i don't know what you're doing but then i started getting into hip-hop um and i started getting into rap and i started writing raps and doing raps and i was like yo i love writing i've always written songs i was like i can't like 
rap or, or really sing while playing the drums and I'm not that great at drums. So why don't we just go find a really good drummer and then I'll just be, I'll be a vocalist. Mm. Um, I don't sing that great either, especially then I did not sing that great. Uh, I sing better now, but, um, but um, yeah, so that's kind of how I, I started really getting into music. When I was about 18, 19 years old, I'd be, I was the front man of my band. Um, and we did that from about end of 2007 till, to this year. Wow. Um, we had two EPs that, that we had dropped in 2010 and 2011. And then we worked on an album from 2015 or 2016 to about 2018. Wow. <laughs> and then there was, yeah. And so for about three or four years, we worked on an album and then we couldn't get the mixes back from the engineer. Mm. He like kept the mixes from us for like a year. What? And then, so then we finally got them back and then we sent it to someone else. And then we just like lost a lot of steam, a lot of energy. And that album never came out. So wow. I have a 14 track album with my previous band. It's about an hour's worth of material. It's all the best songs uh, that I've ever been a part of or written. The best rapping I've ever done. The best singing I've ever wow. done. Um, and uh, we, we dropped about, there was five of us in the band. We dropped about 10 grand on that album. And it's just sitting in my, uh, my Google folders. It's your Not time, out. Man. Not out. So it's I actually dropped a, I dropped a sneak peek on uh I uploaded something on SoundCloud. I dropped it a couple of weeks ago. Dope. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you later. Uh, Thank but, you. But, but yeah, um, so it never came out. So, so like one of the heartbreaks of 2020 for me was like coming to terms with, you know, my band that, you know, I've, I've broken away from mm. along with all the other craziness that's happened. But I've always done hip hop too on the side. And I, I had like some mixtapes that I dropped uh, back in like 08, 09, 010. Yeah. It's, it's trash. I'm not trying to share those with anybody. <laughs> but like I've, I've, you know, I'm okay now. I, I feel like I'm decent. Um, I have about 12 songs that are ready to go. I self-produced them. I wrote them. Wow. I just have to get in the studio, record them and put them out. And I was finally taking the steps to do that this year. And then COVID happened. Mm. Um, and I also work with, I have a, a singer songwriter that I've known for years back. He used to play shows with my band that we actually have written like two or three songs and we were supposed to get together and record those songs and then COVID happened. So I have all these, all the, the greatest music I've ever written in Man. my entire life. It's like 30 something tracks from the band to what I got. It's all just sitting waiting waiting for the world to hear by the time all this stuff comes out it'll be like so outdated but uh Dude, i don't know man i feel like music good music is timeless so hopefully people yeah. hopefully that, people will dig it that's an easy remix like if you ever need to right that's the easy remix um if it needs to be updated or anything like that i'm pretty yeah. sure you know what i'm pretty sure it's dope man that's awesome bro yeah yeah the only track that i have out now that you could find on my youtube page we did um we did a remix of of Old Town Road by Lil Nas X because recent. because Staten Island has an Old Town Road. Ah. So I did a whole song. I wrote a whole song about Staten Island uh, and then related it to our Old Town Road. Um, and I made like a little video for it. It's on my YouTube page. That, was, that actually went super successful. That's like my second most successful thing. I think it has Whoa. like... 
think it has like 28,000 uh, views on YouTube. And then it also has a couple thousand on Facebook, a couple thousand on Twitter. Um, and, you know, like a thousand on Instagram. And I do like Lil Nas's ex, uh, I do like his voice, I do his flow. And I just change up the words uh, for the whole song. And it actually, it, it came out super dope. Wow. Uh, it might not be as funny to people who don't understand Staten Island, but it's still like a little funny for, I think, the average person who doesn't get it. Who? Yo. If, if you look up, know, old, look up Old Town old Town Road Staten Island remix. Light work. You should find doing it. it. Doing it. Hold on. I'm going to write it. Doing that later for sure. That might be the promo. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, look, man, I appreciate your time. I'm so thankful that you decided to, to join us. I know at first you were like a sports show. Why would I? <laughs> no, man, I, I, that, that, was, that was exciting to me. I, I was just, cool. you know, I, I, messed, I messed everything up because I'm always wearing a Mets hat, but I just got this hat today. <laughs> so I was like, oh, let me wear the DC Talk hat. I was like, I should have wore the Mets hat. And then right on the other side of the room is where I filmed the new show where I have uh, a bookshelf. I got a WWE belt there. There's a Mets, <laughs> there's a Mets lamp. There's an Andy Chavez bobblehead, a Mike Piazza ball. <laughs> like all my sports stuff is literally like right there. And I, I just blew, I blew the whole thing for, for, for good, for good lighting and a, and a neutral background. <laughs> You're good, bro. <laughs> I appreciate it, yo. Um, look, if people are listening to this, and I, you know, people who listen to us are praying people. If people listen to this and and they're you know following your story, um, following you, loving what's happening at Rapzilla, um, but just wanting to know how could they pray for you moving forward? How would you, you know, what would you say? Like, how could people pray for you? Uh, what would be something that you would love for them to go to the Father about? I'm um, concerning you. Yeah, uh, I'll give you. All right, I guess I'll give you three. Cool. So one, of course pray for my kids that they grow up strong and this is a crazy world that we live in. So pray that they're protected. Um, two, you could, I guess, pray for me in terms of, I guess, knowing, knowing, my, sorry, let me word this correctly. Um, maybe a better relationship with God in terms of like knowing exactly where I need to be, what I have to do, and how I should get there. Um, and then three would be my health. I have like a couple of things going on mm. in the background that I don't, I'm not hiding it. Like I said, I'm, I'm very open, yeah. but uh, you know, I'm not kind of ready to talk about some of the things yet. It's nothing like serious where it's like, oh, your life is in danger, but yeah. it's more so just like some things that, that have been bothering me or struggling with. So yeah. I guess you pray for my health in general. Um, yeah, not, not to be like super cryptic. It's, Nah, I'm doing okay. I'm yeah. alive. I'm breathing. Everything's good. But some very like annoying things happening, I guess, to my body that uh, I would love not to happen. Yes, so th those would be my three. Yes, and thank sir. you for asking. Absolutely. Um, like I said, we, we truly appreciate you for being here. It's a big deal for us. Um, and, you know, you know, I'm I'm not gonna fanboy, but I'm I'm so thankful, bro. I'm I'm really thankful. Hey, man. <laughs> it, it's it's okay, man. You remember I said you can fanboy at the end. Yeah, bro. Okay. After cool. you after <laughs> you got through the interview, you could say like all the nice things you want because all the questions are out of the way. But man, don't don't fanboy over me. I, I don't I don't do anything crazy. Um, I, I appreciate you for for even having me on here. That was just kind of like a joke tweet that I threw out there. I was like, yo, I've been interviewing all these people. How about somebody interview me? And then like, that's not Christian. And then you, and then someone else. And I was like, 
all right, cool, man. I, yeah. I really wish I had something to promote. Um, <laughs> I, I will next year. So hopefully people will want to talk to me again and I could, I can actually have something to promote, but, um, yeah, that, Yo, that's it. I, I well, got nothing. What about the, um, the, the, the YouTube series you just did, right? All the interviews you were doing, right? Um, so that's, that's something to promote. Yeah. Community during case. Well, it just ended. Um, uh, but you could, you can watch all of them, um, on Instagram. They're all there. I'm back. I'm very behind on getting them on YouTube because I edit them and I cut them. Um, but uh, I'm like okay, 10 okay. behind. I'm like on episode 15 for YouTube, but Instagram is all up to date. 25 episodes. I plan on bringing it back in the new year. I think the look is going to be a little different. It might be a different day, different uh, concept. Our communities will unfortunately always be going through some sort of chaos. So I don't think that theme necessarily has to change. Unfortunately, like I'd much rather not be in chaos. Um, but yeah, maybe just the format and how I do it is going to be a little different. Um, we got the Pen Game 101 show. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is actually the yeah. new episode is premiering as I'm doing this interview uh, with with Kardak, uh, and he's talking about Sinvergüenza album on Reach Records. And I'll get I'll give you this I'll give you this exclusive. We uh, yesterday we just filmed a pen game episode with Limo Blaze and the Truth for their nice. album Bridges. So that'll so that'll be by the time whenever this comes out or whatever that'll be the next uh, um pen game episode that's, that's coming wow i just saw that they were they were looking like um the truth and limo blade they were kind of you know like up for they're promoting something right now right yeah, yeah 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 they dropped their joint album bridges and then your um your interview with d1 like d1 and merce that one yeah yeah the the um the the pin 101 with them too i'll say that that was dope that was funny that was a lot. Of fun. I spent way too much time talking to those brothers this year, man. Because <laughs> I, I did an interview with them. Me, uh, me and Chad actually spoke to both of them earlier in the year, just to like have a conversation. And we wound up going almost two hours on Zoom. And I spent all this time editing and putting all these videos together, and they just never came out, you know, for a variety of reasons. So then D one was like, "Yo, can we do it again and have the same type of conversation?" Minus, minus Chad. No, no offense to Chad, but it was just minus Chad. Um, it wasn't for any particular reason. So then I did it. I did kind of the same vein of an interview with them again. And we were on for like another hour and a half. And then I did the pen game interview with them. And that was like another hour and a half to two hours. So I'm all D1 immersed out. But yeah, I spent like six hours talking to those guys about their project. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's all dope. They were, they were super dope. It's all love. Um, yeah, I, I love doing that stuff. It's great. Yo, man, that's awesome. We appreciate having you here. Hey, if you're out there, um, this is what I want you to do. Um, can you tell us where we can find you on Twitter? Right, for the people who don't know, right? How can they find you on Twitter? How can they support you? Yeah, find me on on Twitter and Instagram at Justin Sarachik. So if you're watching this, my name is probably in there. So so just squeeze them together, one word. <laughs> And then put the at in front of it and you will find me. Um, so you got that. I have my YouTube channel. Um, I'm, I'm going to, it's going to be more active in the new year. COVID really messed up a lot of things for me mm -hmm. as far as timeliness, but I plan on having the uh, survival of the artist um, podcast, um, small snippet episodes. I'm, I'm going to be doing that on Instagram live now, and then I'll put those on YouTube 
because uh, SoundCloud is completely dead. So just wasting my time and paying to have SoundCloud premium for no reason. Um, yeah, so more, more videos, content, more things like that, artist tips, uh, maybe some breakdown shows. But that's some of the stuff I have coming. And further down the pipeline is a survival of the artist book. And uh, maybe next time I speak to you, I can be promoting that book and also talking about a documentary film that I'm in the middle of making. Wow. Okay. Okay. I just, I'll leave it. I'll leave it right okay. there. I can't, can't give you everything. <laughs> Yo, we appreciate you. We thank you. Hey, listen, if you're out there, go ahead and follow him um, on all his social media sites. Um, also go ahead and like the show. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for joining us. Y'all have a good time. Inside of this basement, wasted Dream so big, so vivid, I mean I swear to y'all I can taste it Kick so good, but I don't know none of y'all out here that's gonna make it So I go and get mine from the public and they love it, but I'm chasing Sugar-free brand, man, a lot of people living that sweet life, they're just faking And ain't nothing more cold in my mind than me to being so real and authentic And I'm riding around with my windows down, I got nothing to hide, it ain't tinted And I ain't got a whole lot of time, so I guess it's all about how we spend it Splendid, ego-trippers as a young kid